Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 21st, 2014. I hope you're all getting along and at least surviving uh, these tough times because they're getting tough, aren't they? And the system that runs the whole world is pretty well perfected, you might say, because we're run by organizations all working in this big pyramid system, working again for the top the top head basically decides everything for the global society. And you'd understand, too, that if you're on your own, you have no power, basically. That's the interesting part of it. You have no power. And so even in the early 20th century, uh, those who created Marxism for, uh, for that time was the East, uh, and it was based basically in London, New York, and elsewhere, uh, these guys knew that organization, organization they called it, the ability to organize and have blind followers, dedicated blind followers, uh, pushing an agenda through where it was a way to go for the future. And doing it that way, they could basically uh, use this new term called democracy. And therefore, those who belong to the biggest groups, the numbers game again, you see, uh, would seem to get their way. And really, it's the ones at the top who get their way. You know that. The ones who lead the groups. And they're well paid and funded by big foundations, uh, in other words, non-governmental organizations. And big foundations are owned by the big corporate leaders of the, of the time. And, and they're still the same family, still own a lot of it today, in fact, as well. So you're run by organization. And you always find uh, that there's no end. There's no end to the organization of the massive groups out there with their massive funding, all under, under the umbrella of the United Nations. Uh, Therefore, they have all the say. Uh, For the general population, the silent majority, the ones who bicker amongst themselves being left and right, that's what they give you, left and right. Uh, And that gets you nowhere because the parties were co-opted a long time ago, if not at the beginning, in fact. And I often suspect it was at the beginning because you'd have to have common interests from those at the top, or at least the top of politics. That's not the top of the world, naturally, but it's the top of politics. Those who were chosen by those who run the world and commerce and banking and everything else. And common interests of any parties means that the same shareholders and the same, same education, actually, the same private schools, Ivy League schools, etc. They know the game of politics, which is just to confuse the public, say the right things during election, and, and follow through with no promises once you're in. So we're run by private organizations. That's where the laws are all signed today, through treaties. Uh, and governments simply sign treaties that are put on their desks, uh, they have their their uh, appointed members who must travel to different kinds of meetings uh, and s- selective special meetings to do with, say, climate change, things like that. And they sign on to new agreements, new agreements, always, always upping the ante, basically, of target emissions, reductions, and things like that. So it's never-ending. It's, it's awfully boring, doesn't it? Because you know that they're never, ever going to achieve anything where they say, well, that's enough, we've done our best, that's as far as we can go without killing the people off. And they'll keep going until they do kill you off, by the way, because behind all of this is pretty obvious. The answer is very obvious, like it is in eugenics, too. And by that, I mean that if you look at really how medicine was going through the 20th century, especially the latter part of the 20th century, although it was definitely discussed in the early 20th century, uh, the answer to, to eradicating diseases was to literally uh, create outside the womb 
brand new types of humans that would be resistant to everything. In other words, uh, being human means you're prone to something. And the only way to do it is to make you not completely human in the old-fashioned sense. It's obvious. Same thing with climate change and and, uh, elimination of CO2. Well, to eliminate CO2, you'd have to not only destroy the whole planet and all plant life and everything else that goes with it, but all of humankind, naturally. Then you'd have no CO2. If nothing was alive on the planet to emit anything, nothing that lived, that is, then there would be no CO2, and you would achieve your goals. But on the way to these ever-upped target emissions and levels and so on, on the way up, they're going to destroy lots of people, literally physically destroy them. And you better believe it. So the answer for them, in eugenics again, is that if there's less people, there's less emissions. You won't need to produce so many products to keep them happy or to clothe or feed them. They won't be breathing CO2 out, and uh, and so on and so on. You just reduce the populations, etc., etc. But to get to that stage, to be really clever about it, you've got to be a global society with mass immigration of all cultures mixed together, thrown together, so in the hope that eventually they'll all all forget any national identity or even ethnic identity down the road, which won't happen, by the way, in certain groups, won't happen. But if they can achieve that, then the government truly, the world government, is truly boss, truly boss. People generally fight for the group or their tribe or where it happens to be, and they have so much in common they can bond together quite readily and easily when you have all mixtures of different people and different histories and groups and so on and belief systems, you name it, it's much more difficult for that to happen. Therefore, there's the elimination of all opposition to a total world government, a governmental society. So to get there, you have to open all the borders and so on under the guise of free trade. Free trade. Therefore, many things are disguised, cleverly disguised, always always under the good for all, the greater good, uh, to help you all, you see, because we care about you. It's always disguised under this kind of uh, camouflage as they want to get really eugenical programs rushed through and to get the public themselves, who are the targets of all, to accept it all, without even knowing, in fact, they want you to cheer on really what will become your own demise, because if a time comes when you can't heat yourself legally, uh, then your choice is to freeze to death. Especially if you can't afford the new regulations and the new whatever it is, you've got to have a special stove or a special fuel or a special house that's all designed to have at least so-called leakage, which means to be full of fungus inside and awfully unhealthy. But one way or another, you're going to die off if you're just in the wrong particular grouping and category, which most folk naturally are. Organization. Organization. Rally supporters behind them. Who are blind, blind, willing fools because they literally chant the slogans are given to chant without thinking too much about them. They want to belong to a big group. Uh, they've got a chip in their shoulders about something, so they're generally give supplied the group and to join, in fact, in university. And uh, from then on, there they go, there they go. They belong to the group. They're, they have accepted peers, and the peers accept them. And uh, they feel they have a purpose and a belonging to something for the first time in their life, maybe the only time in their life, because a lot of them are pretty obnoxious. But uh, one way or another, uh, it's sorted out at university generally. 
and universities too are a great place to recruit people like that because uh, they sign anything in universities. Do you want to sign this petition? Oh, sure, it's no problem. Uh, and they'd actually sign their own death warrants if they didn't read it. Most of them wouldn't actually. They'd just say, okay. And that's how it goes. Therefore, in democracy, getting back to my point initially, if you don't belong to one of these groups, you have no say. And even the followers have no say at all because it's going to affect them as well. I mean, if you think about uh, cutting down all fuels and so on and the use of fuels, how is your food going to be transported to your cities where most of them actually live, actually? They don't want to live in the country or anything, these folk who sign petitions or belong to these groups. And they all want some transportation to get around in. And they don't want even their, 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 their public transportation, buses and trains in our city to be, to be rationed either. It's going to be awfully inconvenient to them. When it hits them personally, they're not too happy about it, but they want all of you to suffer on the way, you see, for this wonderful, again, future utopia. It's always a future utopia. Isn't it amazing how many millions of people have been slaughtered with tyrannical regimes, even in the 20th century, under the guise of who's left but working for a wonderful utopia? Wonderful, isn't it? But the answer always seems to slaughter most of the folk off. And there's many ways to do it. As seen, the West is more clever and more insidious. It's always done under a, a much, much better guise. We're here to help you. We care about your health, etc. You see? And all the media jumps on, because they're part of the establishment, jumps on these handouts that are given to them to print right into their papers by supposed experts, say, on any topic at all. Experts, say. And, and climate activists say, and so on, and so on, and so on. So therefore, we're managed by selected, authorized groups, well-directed from the top, well-funded at the top, actually, not the followers, but the ones at the top, uh, who have fantastic salaries, like CEOs of corporations, and they also get big grants of your tax money to do you in. What a wonderful system, and they call this democracy. Well, see, they've got a voice because, you see, they're authorized under the United Nations to have a voice and to always have a say in any of the pablum they spiel out there to you. It's just incredible how it works. But it's always really been that way for the last 100 years or so. So here we go through the big, big changes, and I don't want to harp on about it. I'm sure that those that care, care, and they'll, they'll delve in to find out what's really going on without going utterly mad and neurotic or depressed. And the ones who decided not to know, they, they prefer the mainstream because it, it, they want to believe that there truly are professional people looking after them. Perpetual childhood, which we call socialism. It's much, much better to think, well, they're professionals. There's professionals in the economy that deal with everything so, so we don't starve to death and so on. They really believe this. I really believe that. I mean, if the government had its way for all these different professional agencies and, and organizations and economists and so on, they, they would have you starved to death. And the time might come yet, they, they will actually. So, because all they live off is your money all the time. But folk don't think too much. And to say that you, you can't be angry at the people who don't want to know. They can't know. They can't handle it themselves. And they know it deep down. That's why they'll get angry at you when you come up with facts and say, here's all the facts. Uh, it doesn't matter where the facts come from, the authorized sources, the 
head of governments, whatever happens to be your special departments, they don't want to know. They'll tell you that. I don't want that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to read that. They, they prefer the softened, cushioned version given by their favorite newscaster. Uh, and they want to believe we truly are being managed well by well-meaning people. And everything is the way that is presented. The news is, 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 is there. Their private enterprises are there because they care about you. Nothing to do with profit or because they've got associations with governments and different PR departments. They're there because they want to help you, etc. And in other words, they swallow the world as is presented to them by authority figures. That's quite interesting. But what can you do about it? What can you do about it today when your children are brainwashed now, expertly brainwashed, in kindergarten all the way through for all these agendas which are going to do them all in down the road? It's quite something. Maybe they could engineer us all to have one nostril, for instance. Eh? How about that? It may cut down on breathing and all that. Eh? Or we'll have one lung. Then they can raise the, the target emissions and, and give you half a lung. And then a third, and, and so on. Eh? Because really, it's all so crazy and, and, nuts, and nuts, actually. Absolutely mad and nuts. And nothing to do with what they're actually telling you. The reasons are there for. All, it's all happening because of a very old agenda to get a world society going and for those at the top to drastically cut the amount of people that will be living on the planet. And then, of course, all these goals and so on will be fulfilled because there'll be less folk to consume anything when they're not alive, they're not being born, or they've died off. See, that's their answer to everything. There's too many of you in a post-industrial, we're in a scientific society, technological society, and they really don't need you for the future. And this is all discussed again at the beginning of the 20th century by big, powerful groups who have always employed think tanks and futurists to guide them along with predictions of, with their statistics and so on, what was going to be needed in the future for X amount of a population. Governments, therefore, become simply the rubber stamp and dutifully sign and, and stamp all agreements for, made by the private organizations that pretend to represent you, including all these organizations on climate change, etc., etc., etc. And they do it in a roundabout fashion. Again, organization, what can we... They try to take over every facet of what they call governance, from your local little village... To, to your townships, to your cities, to your, and then your, 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 your boroughs or regions, or whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. And, and so they're all working in concert towards the same goal, you see. And the public never, ever get a vote on this, any of this, where it is your local township uh, council doing it or anything else. You never get a vote on it. In fact, they avoid the topic altogether for you. They don't want you involved because it's going to affect all of you, you see. Here's an article here. It says, Global Leadership on Climate Change. And it says, Cities are an integral part of the global effort to tackle climate change as both a major source of greenhouse gas emissions and a major source of innovative climate solutions. Really? 
Until now, they can't even get the potholes fixed in the roads. Until now, cities have been lacking a consistent and transparent way to measure and report emissions. The Global Protocol for Community-Scale Greenhouse Gas Emissions Inventor Inventories, or GPC, established a credible emissions accounting and reporting practices that help cities develop an emissions baseline, set mitigation goals, create more targeted climate action plans, and track progress. This is from their own website. I'll put these links up tonight, by the way. And it's called C40, C40, C40. And um, it has the global uh, leadership on climate change. The Compact of Mayors. There you go. Did your mayor ever mention this to you? He's signing you on to cut back on everything that creates any kind of emissions. Remember that you are the, the biggest emitter of all. And it says here, it's an agreement by City Networks. What's this, what's this City Networks? Who authorised this? Do you vote in any of it? No, you don't. And then by their members to undertake a transparent and supportive approach to reduce city-level emissions, to reduce vulnerability to, and to enhance resilience to climate change. Resiliency. In a consistent and complementary manner to national-level climate protection efforts. And it's also got the PDF for the, for the Compact of Mayors Association, basically. And it also goes into the different uh, meetings they're having. They used to have meetings uh, maybe once a year, then twice a year. Now they've got them about every month, by the way, global meetings. And we had the, the, the big uh, one in Mexico City there. Uh, that was uh, the sixth biennial C40 Mayor Summit. November 2016. Do you know your mayors are flying off to these things? You're paying for it all? As they feast and go out with the whores that are supplied and laid on for them, by the way, by the United Nations and so on. It says the summit will bring together C40 mayors from all over the world and hundreds of urban and sustainability leaders, but not the public, you see. All the special interest groups, they're all being funded and guided uh, where they're supposed to go. To advance urban solutions to climate change and highlight the leadership role of cities in addressing climate change. Then it goes on. I mean, everything is propaganda, isn't it? And it's always said with such authority, like they know what they're talking about. Huh? It's all social programs for managing the public today and tomorrow. This is C40 and its partners released two new pieces of research and, and aggregation of publicly available city commitments. And it gives you uh, more PDFs and so on. And a special report highlighting how cities can help bridge the global, global emissions gap. Uh, and in other words, they've already start being equal to each other. Or oh, cut down, cut down, cut down to this level, this level, this level, this level. All right. And then it has the, 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 goes through the global leadership and, and so on. And and so on and so on. Anyway, it's just so darn boring. But again, most folk can't read boring stuff, and I don't blame them really because it's just, it's incessant. It's just spewed out like you wouldn't believe, and the single human mind is not meant to to absorb it all. It's that's why they have hundreds and hundreds, actually thousands of these NGOs, all working in different facets with their their fancy little anachronisms and so on to get you all totally confused, and so you'll just yawn and pass over it. Uh, that's how this whole uh, thing works, this, this organization, organization, always organize, organize. That's how it works, you see. 
planned a long time ago. And you find it a lot of it in the Marxian policies uh, from the 1800s. And then you go into this one here. What's the global protocol for community-scale greenhouse gas emission inventories? And this says that the global protocol for community-scale greenhouse gas emission inventories is a joint project by the ICLEI-local governments for sustainability. You see, so you get mayors on it, you just get the local governments and your councils on it. The World Resources Institute, WRI, and C40 Cities. Climate Leadership Group, C40, with additional collaboration by, guess what, the World Bank. The big private organization set up by the Rolling Street for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. And the United Nations Environmental Protocols, I guess, UNEP, and UN Habitats. You see? Again, all these things, none of these things you've ever had a chance to vote on. Most, never mind, most of don't even know what they mean. As a global reporting standard, the GPC enables cities and communities to consistently measure and report GHG emissions and develop climate action plans and low-emission urban development strategies. Low-emission again, you see. Now, says, why is the GPC such a game-changing protocol? Love protocols. It's always protocols. The GPC provides the most comprehensive greenhouse gas accounting and reporting framework for cities around the globe. It allows local governments using this consistent standard to set emission reduction targets, track performance responding to regulations and requirements of local GHG programs, build and report GHG inventories which are comparable or compatible with international standards. This is impossible, as you say, because it's, it's all bogus. I mean, they, they say things so, it's, it's all facts, it's factual, you see. And it's nothing but uh, nonsense, because we know that under the, the World Trade Organization uh, and the, the treaties are some, signed with all the so-called emerging countries, with the biggest populations, they're allowed to pollute for years and years and years ahead. And then after 15 years, they can just say, well, we can't meet any of our standards at the moment. We're still up and coming. And so they, they, they delay any reductions in, say, carbon and carbon dioxide or anything else for another 15 years. And another 15. And it's on indefinitely, you see. And so therefore, and you can't either, you can't compare one country with another country. You just can't do it. Because there's different fuels used to heat countries in the winter and cold climates, and they don't have that in the warm climates because they don't need it. So it's all nonsense, you see. One, one size or one suit fits all. It's like, or one pair of shoes fits all. But uh, it's not meant to make sense. It's meant to, to only make sense to real fanatics who want something to join because they're angry at the world in general and, peop- and all people in general. Or they just don't like people, in fact. And then you went to this one here to do with, uh, it's called What's Up With That. I've mentioned this before over the years. You can have this articles I've, I've read out on uh, com, And you go into the website and archive section and read them from What's Up With That. Because they follow all this stuff and shoot holes, of course, uh, through all the lies and nonsense that spewed out from them. But... Uh, uh, it says, this is from the Truth is Stranger Than Fiction Department reporting from San Francisco at the AGU fall meeting. And it's to do with the lies that are spewed out by some of the biggest liars. And this one 
is to do with professional ethics for climate scientists. Professional ethics. They've done nothing but lie. And some of the biggest liars are the ones who are touring the world right now talking about the ethics and how to incorporate ethics and guidelines and for the scientists that have no training in ethics or philosophy and so on. So uh, I'll put this one up too. And that was from uh, December 14th, 2014 by Anthony Watts. And this one here, it says, World Cities Announce Concrete Action at Climate Summit. And it says that two concrete announcements have come out of the week's climate summit in Peru. This is the one that was passed. First came World Resources Institute Initiative 20 by Times 20, a commitment to restore 50 million acres of degraded farmland in Latin America by 2020 to keep agriculture from expanding into forest land or forested land. The other comes from the World Cities, which announced the launch of the first common standard to meet and report on their emissions. And it says the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group, Local Governments for Sustainability and WRI announced the Global Protocol for Community-Scale Greenhouse Gas Emissions Inventories. This is going to help cities develop an emissions baseline, set mitigation goals, create specific action plans and track and report progress over time. So how can you fight this kind of thing when, when it's part of this built-in system? You live in a system, complete system. Everything's been thought of in this system. And it's not run by the, the, the public. The public are called the silent majority. Most of the public want to get through life and, and have somewhere to live, maybe have a mate, uh, maybe have children, and come home from, from their drudgery at work and watch television or something, just zonk out, and, and they don't want too much interference uh, to do with their, their happiness or the little bubble of contentment at home, things like that. But the other big forces, of course, are, are want to destroy all of that too. That little bubble's got to be burst apart until government agencies are involved in every part of your life in the home and outside the home, which is all being implemented right now. But... Um, that's just how it is. That's how it is at the moment. Is we vote none of this, and you keep prattling on about oh, I've got democracy, really. Ugh. Now, I mentioned this at the time when it happened, but I think it was back in January. It says the EPA, their wood burning stove ban, has chilling consequences for many rural people. And it, says, it seems that even wood isn't green or renewable enough anymore. The EPA has recently banned the production and sale of 80% of America's current wood-burning stoves. The oldest heating method known to mankind and mainstay of rural homes and many of our nation's poorest residents. It's really, see, they always want to kill for the poor first, you see. Uh, they actually call them obsolete at the top, for those who don't know that. The poor are now obsolete in this new post-industrial society, post-consumerist society we're going into. They just say stringent one-size-fits-all rule applies equally to heavily air-polluted cities and far cleaner, plus typically colder off-grid wilderness areas such as large regions of Alaska and the American West. This is well, EPA's most recent regulations aren't altogether new. Their impacts will nonetheless be severe. 
whereas restrictions had previously banned wood-burning stoves that didn't limit fine airborne particle emissions to 15 micrograms per cubic metre of air, the change will impose a maximum of 12 microgram limits. So it's it's going down from 15 uh, to 12 micrograms uh, per cubic metre of air. Just to put this amount in context, the EPA estimates that second-hand tobacco smoke in a closed car can expose a person to 3,000 to 4,000 micrograms of particulates of per cubic meter, right? But they won't get down to 12 micrograms, from 3,000 to 4,000 down to 12 micrograms uh, if you've got a stove. It says most wood stoves at warm cabin and home residents from coast to coast can't meet that standard. Older stoves that don't cannot be traded in for updated types, but instead must be rendered inoperable, destroyed or recycled as a scrap metal. The impact of the EPA's ruling will affect many families. According to the U.S. Census Bureau 2011 survey statistics, 2.4 million American housing units 12% of all homes burned wood as their primary heating fuel, compared with 7% that depended upon fuel oil. Local governments in, in some states have gone even further than EP. That's because, of, again, they've got the mayors not on board with it in local council, not only banning the sale of non-compliant stoves, but even their use as fireplaces. As a result, owners face fines for infractions. Puget Sound, Washington is one such location. Montreal, Canada proposes to eliminate all fireplaces within its city limits. They're really clever in Montreal. I remember years ago when they had the big ice storm out in Quebec, and the government was on the, the uh, television all the time telling people to, to send any generators that had anything at all and taking truckload after truckload out to, to heat to people. Because, you see... Uh, they had uh, fallen for the big corn that electricity was going to be cheap and, and cheaper than anywhere else, actually, in Quebec, because they had the big, big uh, electric dams up there and so on, and, and systems, and therefore, and which they supply a lot of uh, New York and different places, in Buffalo too, uh, it comes from there. And they, did, they thought this would go on forever, and then down came all their electric pylons and all the rest of it, and out went their heating, and a lot of them just simply didn't have stoves to fall back on or anything, so they had to rush out all these, these temporary heating systems uh, and even gasoline things. They run on electric fires so they wouldn't freeze to death. So, but here they go again, you see. So Montreal Canada proposes to eliminate all fireplaces within its city limits. So in other words, to be, to be, to, to be legal, uh, live legally, uh, you have to risk dying uh, of the freezing cold if the electricity goes out, you see. And let's put it with even as all this oil fracas is going on right now, which is all managed from the top again. It's the same, it's a repetition of what uh, our standard oil took over and standardized everything. That was the whole point of it, standardizing prices and so on, and keeping prices up for, for their shareholders. Uh, and and they, they put all the smaller uh, companies out of business and took them all over for peanuts, you see. And the same thing's happening all over the place with fracking companies, you name it as the big boys move for global dominance over all the world's uh, oil resources. But anyway, uh, here you go, uh, doing the same thing again. Uh, Canada proposes to eliminate fireplaces within its city limits from Montreal, anyway. Only weeks after the EPA enacted its new stove rules, attorneys generals of seven states in the U.S. sued the agency to crack down on wood-burning water heaters as well. 
The lawsuit was filed by Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Vermont, all predominantly Democrat states. Claiming the EPA's new regulations didn't go far enough to decrease particle pollution levels, and plaintiffs cited agency estimates that outdoor wood boilers would produce more than 20% of wood burning emissions by 2017. I love that they just pick out numbers out out this uh, polluted air, eh? A related suit was filed by the environmental group Earth Justice, another NGO, you see. So they used the NGOs to sue various agencies and states and governments that don't comply, you see, with what the, the big boys at the top want. You see how they use it? And, and this guise of, well, little non-partisan groups, you see, and uh, we just have a special interest in something. Utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. They're all bought and paid for. It says, did the EPA require a motivational incentive to tighten its restrictions? Sure, about as much as Br'er Rabbit needed to persuade Br'er Fox to throw him into the briar patch. This is but another example of the EPA and other government agencies working with activists and environmental groups to sue and settle on claims that afford leverage to enact new regulations which lack they lack statutory authority to otherwise accomplish. Clever, eh? It says, sue and settle practices, sometimes referred to as friendly lawsuits, are cozy deals through which far-left radical environmental groups file lawsuits against federal agencies where court-ordered consent decrees are issued based upon a pre-arranged settlement agreement they collaboratively craft together in advance behind closed doors. Then, rather than allowing the entire process to play out, the agency being sued settles the lawsuit by agreeing to move forward with the requested action both they and the litigants want. It's a complete sham. It says, and who pays for this litigation? All too often, we, the taxpayers, are put in the hook for legal fees. Oh, most of the time, if not all the time, yeah, of both colluding parties. According to a 2011 GAO report, this amounted to millions of dollars awarded to environmental organizations for EPA litigations between 1995 and 2010. Three big green groups received 41% of this payback, with Earth Justice accounting to 30%, which is $4,655,425, Two other organizations with histories for lobbying for regulations EPA wants, while also receiving agency funding are the American Lung Association and, who guess what, the Sierra Club. In addition, the Department of Justice forked over at least $43 million of our money defending EPA in court between 1998 and 2010. This didn't include money spent by the EPA for their legal costs in connection with those rip-offs because the EPA doesn't keep track of their attorney's time on a case-by-case basis. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has concluded that sue-and-settle rulemaking is responsible for many of the EPA's most controversial, economically significant regulations that have plagued the business community for the past few years. Included are regulations on power plants, refineries, mining operations, cement plants, chemical manufacturers, and a host of other industries. Such consent decree-based rulemaking enables the EPA to argue to Congress the court made us do it. I don't know how many folk realize that nothing that's out there, even the EPA or the, or the FDA or all these different things that you think are there to so-called look after you are what they appear to be, including the CIA. Never mind all the propaganda movies you get. None of them are there to fulfill what you perceive them to be there for. 
standing up for you, basically. But there you go. Uh, we take it for granted because we're propagandized by fiction, fictional dramas and movies and so on, where all these agencies we think we're told to, to believe and, and accept what they tell you that they're there for. Another big, massive deception. So the EPA can always say to Congress, well, the court may just do it when they give in to these lawsuits, which they want in the first place. Directing special attention to these congressional-run practices, Louisiana Senator David Vitter, top Republican on the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, has launched an investigation. Well, they go nowhere, as you know. It's all the show for the public. Last year, he asked his Louisiana Attorney General Buddy Caldwell to join with the AGs of 13 other states who filed a Freedom of Information Act, seeking all correspondence between the EPA and a list of 80 environmental labor union and public interest organizations that have been party to the litigation since the start of the Obama administration. Other concerned and impacted parties have little influence over such court procedures and decisions. While the environmental group is given a seat at the table, outsiders who are most impacted are excluded with no opportunity to object to the settlements. No public notice about the settlement is released until the agreement is filed in court after the damage has been done. In a letter to Caldwell, Senator Vitter wrote, The collusion between the federal bureaucrats and the organizations entering consent agreements under a shroud of secrecy represents the antithesis of a transparent government and your participation in the FOIA request will help Louisianans understand the process by which these settlements were reached. Fewer citizens would challenge the EP's regulatory determinations were it not for its lack of accountability and transparency in accomplishing, through a, a renegade pl- a pattern of actions, what they cannot achieve through the democratic legislative processes. There really are no watchdogs uh, to keep what you think is democracy in place. Never were, actually. And that's the system we live in, but what can you say? Now, <laughs> it's interesting to, to watch geopolitics always go on and on and on. We know that, for instance, Russia made deals with uh, China and so on to, to transport oil and gas and so on uh, over to China to get its economy really going in Russia. And uh, they've, they've banked a lot uh, of private investment, probably government money too, in doing that. And the West and those who run the West are uh, involved as well, trying to stop some of it too. I always see us as being privately owned by the big lords, the new feudal overlords of the corporations. That it's a new feudal system, as quite Carl Quigley said. But it says here, falling oil prices and the U.S. shale drillers drowning in a sea of debt could be the spark for new credit crunch. And it says that, remember, the global financial crisis triggered six years ago when billions of dollars of dodgy loans, dodgy, they were completely fake, a lot of them, doled out by banks to subprime borrowers and then sold numerous times on international debt markets began to unravel and default. Stock markets plunged, banks collapsed, and the entire global financial system teetered on the brink of catastrophe, while a similarly chilling economic scenario could be set off by the current collapse in oil prices. 
based on recent stress tests of subprime borrowers in the energy sector in the U.S. produced by Deutsche Bank, should the price of U.S. crude fall by a further 20% to $60 per barrel, it could result up in up to 30% default rate amongst the B and, and triple C rated high yield U.S. borrowers in the, the industry. West Texas Intermediate Crude is currently trading as multi-year lows of around $75 a barrel, down from 107 per barrel in June. Well, it's always overpriced, but again, that's the whole point of standardizing the whole system. All systems, anything you need is standardized by big monopolies. That's why Standard Oil got its name. They standardized it all. Eliminated competition got the prices up to guarantee investors big returns and big minimum returns. Now they don't even bother about about, uh, uh, maximum returns. That's out the window with all their optimistic training for the last hundred years. And they're going for everything they can grab off, yeah. It's all rigged, folks. You know, nothing to do with really supply and demand. If you have a monopoly, you can demand whatever you want, especially if it's vital to for survival. This is a shock of that magnitude could be significant to trigger a broader high yield market default cycle if materialized, warns the the, the Deutsch strategist Oleg Melentiev and Daniel Sorid in the report. Five years ago, in the beginning of what's become known as the U.S. shale oil revolution. Uh, drillers started to load up on debt to fund their operations and acquire new acreage in vast areas of North America as they started to open up for exploration. So everything has got, uh, it'll be rigged, folks. And you'll, you'll find the big, big biggies will simply take over all, all the so-called mavericks, the smaller companies that are involved in all this kind of thing uh, for the big guys to take over because that's exactly what um, uh, you, you find the Rockefellers did way back at uh, the beginning of the oil industry. And bought them up for peanuts, put them under, grab them for peanuts and bankruptcies, and they'll become euros. You standardize the prices across the, the, the globe, basically. And, uh, and you just, it's, it's just heaven, heaven, heaven from then on for those who really own all the big top shares. Now, we're going in again into this Christmas thing. Now, Christmas hasn't been made popular for an awful long time. In fact, we've had, we've had, oh, God, since the 60s probably, certain groups have been trying to ban it. Uh, in the West altogether, even the name Christmas, and uh, eventually it will be illegal to say it. And um, in some cities in Britain, actually, certain things can't be shown in windows of things. No governments can can show symbols, religious symbols, uh, or even traditional symbols, because that's what they become, because you're not supposed to be traditional anymore in the massive multicultural society from peoples all over the globe. And most of them actually don't care, it's just that specific groups want it destroyed. But here's an article here on President Obama. This is from the Daily Mail online. It says, President Obama raised some eyebrows Wednesday when he was overheard saying that he is Jewish in his soul. What a politician this guy is, eh? During a Hanukkah celebration at the White House. The revelation was made by David Sousa of the Jewish Journal, who was invited to the reception of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, attended by about 550 Jewish leaders, journalists and dignitaries, including uh, Gwyneth uh, Paltrow. The president took part in the menorah lighting ceremony and delivered a well-received speech about freedom, (laughs) peppered with light-hearted jokes about Jewish food. I'll put this up to date because the nice article is quite amazing and it's from Fox Radio News and it says uh, Obama wanted a non-religious Christmas 
so, you know, Christmas is the word, you know, non-religious Christmas. Uh, that's a bit of oxymoron right there, uh, because it's about, it's about Christmas, as they call it. But he wants a non-religious one. I guess he doesn't feel a Christian in his soul. But that's the way that, that, that things run by politicians, eh? Uh, a man for all seasons, depending who's addressing, he's your man. You know, vote for me, I'm your man. Wouldn't matter who you were, Martians or whatever, I'm your man. You know, I feel, I feel a Martian in my soul today because yeah, I'm addressing Martians uh, and so on and so on. A man for all seasons. That's how you get ahead in life, by the way, is always be a man for all seasons. I've, I've heard guys on, who do patriot stuff going on, on, on some shows and, and, and they'd be Christian on their, their shows because they can target a good audience for sales and so on. And, um, and then they go on to certain other shows and they're prattling about, their, about aliens and, you know, man for all seasons. Here's uh, an article here too about the farce, all this farce, absolute farce to do with, um, with, with Sony uh, pictures and so on and uh, that so-called hacking by North Korea. I mean, you couldn't, again, this is straight out of a Hollywood script, the whole darn thing. And we know that Hollywood works awfully well hand in hand with the Pentagon and so on with the movies they make. And uh, you can't just say it's done for entertainment purposes. Uh, there's no doubt everything's politicized. In fact, Hollywood, since its beginning, has been heavily involved and used by government departments and funded for them for war purposes and things like that, always to give us our impressions of how we should think or view things or other people's or anything like that. But uh, a complete farce, this hacking thing. And um, I'll put some links on up on that uh, tonight too, because uh, it's quite fascinating. There's some good articles out there discussing this complete farce, and uh, it's interesting too if you look into the guy who's spearheading a lot of it is, is Ari Emanuel, and he's the brother, as you know, of the other Emanuel, and uh, well connected. But Ari Emanuel has also got big, big shares in different things in Hollywood and so on. Well, uh, definitely interested in all of this kind of thing and returns for Hollywood, etc. So I'll put this up because it's quite fascinating to, to go through this complete... Uh, even even the name of the group supposed to have hacked them is so close to uh, apparently a, a pretty recent Hollywood movie, um, uh, Guardians of the Universe or something. Uh, and so they're Guardians of Freedom. A street of a Hollywood script, this whole darn thing. And of course, the whole thing too is to give them more, more right to, to basically not just police internet and so on for, for, for people who are downloading stuff, but also to, to, to make sure that they have more say in actual the net itself, more policing of everything in the net. I've no doubt on that whatsoever. But, um, Here's Ari Emanuel, too. He buries up to, is this guy full of integrity? Buries up to Alibaba's Jack M.A., it says. And it says, um, Hollywood's super agent Ari Emanuel has reportedly been promoting himself as a personal advisor to China's wealthiest man, Alibaba executive chairman and founder Jack Ma. Sources told The Hollywood Reporter that he's made it a personal mission to become Ma's unofficial advisor on all things Hollywood. As part of his efforts, Emmanuel has just paid a visit to Ma's Shanghai office. The trip came after Emmanuel escorted Ma to a Lakers game in Los Angeles last month. The pair was joined at the game by Nathan Hubbard, the head of commerce at Twitter, who tweeted about it, Jack Ma sitting with Ari Emanuel in case you needed more proof who runs Hollywood. 
says Emmanuel has good reason to be looking to expand his entertainment and operations into China. That nation has seen a 600% increase in the number of movie scenes uh, there in the past seven years and is fast becoming the world's largest market for movies, it says here. And then this article here uh, is also about Ari Emanuel's stake in rideshare firms raises uh, uber questions, it says, from worldnews.com. It's quite interesting, too, how many things he's involved in to do with Hollywood and, and the big business of Hollywood itself. More on the money, you'll find this article here. It says, the interview, that's the name of this movie, about the leader of North Korea, supposedly, that supposedly uh, they're claiming from the Pentagon and so on, has hacked uh, Sony pictures. It's a Sony false flag hack in Hollywood's empire of mediocrity. And it says... Uh, its official Sony Pictures has pulled the plug on the interview across all media platforms. This is probably a, a, a terrible, awful movie. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Hollywood churns out under the guise of comedy is like bathroom humor that children give up when they reach the age of 12 or so. Uh, and it's just not funny at all. Uh, and they, they just fall flat in their faces. But you understand that many movies, you often see about one third of the cost of the movie goes in promoting the movie, sometimes more than that if it's a bad movie. And this is massive, massive free advertising they could do, all for free. Right? It says, the chain of events which led to this point may forever be marked by historians as a seminal watershed moment in this troubling epoch known simply as the age of stupidity. Without a doubt, the most exciting piece of foreign theatre involving the U.S. North Korea since Dennis Rodman and the fish that saved Pyongyang. It couldn't be any more ridiculous. A twisting, turning, real-life cloak-and-dagger drama seemingly tailor-made for Hollywood's ever-expanding childlike audience, adult audience, and that's true, though, who tends to believe anything which comes from official sources or John Stewart's Daily Show. Here's the plot, it says, a mysterious group of hackers who go by the intriguing name of Guardians of Peace, not to be confused with Guardians of the Galaxy, are said to have breached the company's firewalls and stolen lots and lots of sensitive emails and data from Sony Pictures Entertainment in Hollywood. And here's the action. On Monday morning, November 24, Sony employees log into the computers only to be greeted by a neon red skeleton on their monitor screens, accompanied by the words, hacked by GOP. Says, no, not the Republican Party, and even that's tongue-in-cheek too, the GOP, followed by lots of threats to release data and post Hollywood secrets online in text-sharing sites like Pacebin, frequented by hacktivists. Worst of all, the hack at, at, attack upset what is by far makers' uh, utmost important group of individuals, actors, including the one in the White House. And it says... The whole affair is said to be very traumatic for Angelina Jolie oh, and Adam Sandler and has also exposed a bitter turf war between the agents of both Charles Theron and Scarlett Johansson. So studio execs are panicking, actors are traumatised, narcissistic sensibilities have been rattled and publicists are really stressed out too. To make matters worse, these unknown nameless and faceless hackers also oppose the release of Sonny's new political comedy called, we'll use that term loosely, entitled The Interview, which lovingly portrays the violent assassination of North Korea's dear leader Kim Jong-un. We're then told that the hackers are threatening, maybe virtual, maybe real, they didn't specify, to unleash September 11-style attacks against any theatre who dares screen the upcoming movie, 
how they would pull off these attacks against thousands of U.S. theaters simultaneously will forever baffle our media's fraternity of national security experts. Then all of a sudden, and in unison, the media shouts and screams with all sorts of confirmation. Multiple reports suggest... U.S. government of, I like that suggest, but government officials believe the attack is tied to the North Korean government, or so say the Washington Post. In other words, they might as just be making it up, and it wouldn't be the first time either. For all we know, much of this could be, have emanated from a publicity office somewhere in Los Angeles. And more tragically, the stars of the film, Seth Rogen and James Franco, have cancelled their media appearances on a number of really important programs, which no one I know actually watches, like the Jimmy Fallon show. No need to fear, George Clooney is here. Clooney is talking tough. He's figured out and knows who did it, telling us in a Deadline interview it says it was North Korea. According to Clooney, they've really crossed the Rubicon this time, the single biggest political tremor to hit Hollywood since McCarthy's red purges in the 1950s, bigger than when Arnold ran for governor even. I mean, it's really, really big. It's huge. A whole new paradigm. Now, for the most part, really famous actors will stick to safe causes, nice charity events doing spots for pizza, wearing coloured wristbands and driving Teslas. If they're really edgy, they'll be hanging out with Al Gore, looking at the window uh, at the Amazon rainforest from Al's private jet. The point is that Hollywood and the movie business is the most politicised industry of all America, which is why you'll never hear any of our revered actors ever speaking out about anything big for fear of political reprisals. We're just wondering where George is planning to take all this. But remember too, George Clooney is, is one of the top official spokespeople because he's a personality, as, as, as Angelina Jolie, she was recruited into the CFR, and so was George Clooney, eh? And uh, it says, this affects uh, not just movies, this affects every part of business that we have. That's the truth. What happens if a newsroom decides to go with a story and a country or an individual or corporation decides they don't like it? It says, yes, George, that happens every day. What's even worse, though, is when our own government or corporation or a celebrity and their agent doesn't like it. It ends up on the cutting room floor along with 99% of what might be called otherwise useful or interesting news for the public at large, unlike the interview. And he goes on about what Clooney says too. I mean, it's quite a good article actually, it's quite funny. Probably funnier than the movie. And uh, I very much doubt there's anything really funny about it. But uh, it's just too well staged. It's too well staged and it's fantastic publicity. And I can remember, it was only about a couple of years ago, the big annual uh, joint military exercise of, of South Korea, the US, and different uh, militaries and navies, navies and so on. They have this thing off, uh, off the coast of Korea every, every year or two, joint exercises. And the last time they did it, they tried to claim it was a standoff. They didn't tell the public it was the usual standard joint exercise they had every year. So they had the whole world being told oh, it was a standoff with North Korea and South Korea. Utter nonsense. Massive propaganda campaign. I always say that there's very little we can accept as factual anymore. Actually, it's been that way for an awful long time. And even things that are put out for you to prattle about or deliberately thought about, discussed in panels before they put them out for you to prattle on about amongst each other and argue about and so on. That's how bad reality is today. 
Again, back to this, what I said at the beginning of this talk, organization. Every facet of society, including what you're going to talk and think about and discuss and argue about, has been put out for you, laid out. Even your arguments are laid out for you in advance. And it's rather sad. This is what they call true governance of the public. Your mind, of course, is the first thing that must be governed by those who want to govern properly, meaning you must have the proper thoughts and the proper beliefs on everything that they put out officially for you to properly believe. Isn't that sad, eh? But that's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. We live in almost a fiction and actually, it is a fiction as opposed to what they tell you, why they're telling you they're doing things, as opposed to why they're really uh, telling you doing things. Uh, that's what they say in government at the top. I've said it since the 1900s, that for everything that happens within government, there's a good reason. And then there's a real reason. You're never given the real reason for anything. But complete management of the public is so important for the big boys who planned where we are today with our way of living our new moralities, all given by the the authorised state, and again, Hollywood and the fictional system it produces, it becomes reality. That's the magic of Hollywood. That truly is the magic of it. They put out how they want you to behave and what they want you to believe and how how you're supposed to act or dress and all the rest of it, and you do it. You copy it. That's the magic. But so is the rest of the media involved in the act. How can any government, without blushing, prattle on about democracy when we're run by private organizations in the employ of big international, multinational corporations, which also select your own top members, the front men anyway, for government? How can it be democratic? How can it be? Where's the the democratic insight and oversight into what bureaucrats who are there for life, remember, they aren't voted in and out. They're not voted in at all. They're simply selected from sources you don't even know about. They will be vetted to make sure they have the right opinions and everything to push through the, the different agendas that we're talking about here tonight, for instance. And they're there for life. And they're responsible to their heads, supposedly, and nobody else. And the politicians come and go with parties, but the bureaucrats are there for careers until they retire. And then often their families are taken over. It's generally inter-family, by the way. The government prefers it that way. They're predictable. So there's very little, as I say, in reality that's, that's really the way it's presented at all. And many of the topics that they put there for you to argue about should just be disregarded altogether. Why get upset? Now we're heading up towards Christmas, you know. And it's the midwinter again. Depressing time of year for a lot of people. Especially if you live in the cold, cold climates. Because, uh, again, (laughs) you're looking towards freezing to death. And and a little while when they ban alternative means of heating. Apart from the officially multinational sanctioned uh, systems and, and international sanction systems of, of big oil or big gas or where it happens to be, you see. So, uh, it's to help you, not their profits. But um, 
as I say, it's a pretty depressing time for a lot, a lot of people. And we know that we're in a system now where all your spending money is going towards buying complete, awful, cheaply made junk uh, that looks like what you're supposed to be buying but doesn't function like it for very long, if at all. Uh, and it's very expensive to buy, although it's cheaply made, because we live in ultimate greed today by the big uh, corporations which run the world's manufacturing systems. You can't just blame China. They picked China to build up for the cheap labor. I mean, most of the companies out there, up over there, actually, or many of the big ones, are actually Western-owned, at least people who live in the West. So, as I say, nothing as it, as it really seems. But during all this time of... Uh, Massive overcast skies, heavy aerial spraying going on all the time as they completely engineer the weather and continue to do so and then tell you you're the problem for causing all the problems that are caused by engineering the weather. Uh, Don't get too depressed altogether. Many of we folk have anxieties too, but meeting members of the family you might only see once a year. Try not to do so. There's no point in arguing about things. And uh, a lot of folk, remember, cannot wake up. They can't do so. They, they, they have no. They prefer the the safe mode. The safe mode is presented to them to believe what they're told. They want to believe things are otherwise. They'll crack up. It's a choice you see. They'll crack up literally. And they don't want to know uh, the facts. Facts don't count to them. Facts only count to those who go out seeking the facts. And these are only people you should be thinking about uh, helping at all. And even then, you can't overdose them on anything. Or they'll turn off, they'll switch off, it's too much to absorb all at once. It's never ending, isn't it? Because there's nothing in life at all that hasn't been affected by planned changes. And planned ways of thinking, planned ways of new thought, you might call it. And new behavior even, too. And always accepting new realities, new standards of realities, and so on, and so on, and so on. And so, so as all the old realities were somehow uh, weird or wrong. It's quite something. So try and get on with people. At least no point in having friction when there's no point. You can avoid it. And if you don't avoid it, then it comes down to simply ego. It's like two bulls in the ring uh, going head to head. Because you want to be right, and they don't want to hear you. They want to be right. What's the point in that? That doesn't uh, that doesn't help anything at all. So take it easy as we go through uh, this winter of discontent. And I hope you all manage to still scrape by. I'm sure you're all a lot of you are all pigged out with all these incredible gluts of sales of junk, uh, and you're and you must you've been trained to rush out and buy all the junk. Uh, because you're taught to reward yourself for working through this miserable life sometimes uh, by rewarding yourself every month by buying some other piece of junk. And you find out, well, you're not happy for that long because like the ads say, you're supposed to smile forever and have a perpetual orgasm with this new toothbrush. But it doesn't really happen that way, as you well know. So you've been trained this way. We've gone through this all before about Bernays and his system and it pre-existed Bernays. A whole science involved in how you tick and how to make you tick as well, and how you to make you want things you never ever thought about before, to to satisfy really uh, unconscious or subconscious desires by material goods which are now just pure junk and don't last long. So everybody's glutted out with their Black Fridays and Cyber uh, Weeks or whatever, and all this rubbish. And now Christmas is just a commercial racket again. 
where people have been trained, they've got to give everything to, to their people or they won't like you anymore, which is a nonsensical idea altogether created by the corporations about the time that Dickens was dying off. So hang in there and uh, let's get all get through into the next year. And don't be so depressed about things and don't get ulcers over things. Just try and uh, understand quietly how things really, really are. And then you don't get shocked by announcements because you're always prepared for the, the exact announcements long before they're, they're given to the general public. Things are going to annoy them again for a little while. And uh, try and uh, at least get on with each other because at the end of the road, that's all you've got often. And uh, it's a rather sad thing to say, but it's awfully, awfully true. Now, from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.